You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 249th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 839th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of April 21st, 2022. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. Well, this was a fairly easy one for me, and I know uh, that uh, my other co-hosts for this evening and Jared were able to get together with a, a handful of others to talk through uh, the big news of the, of the week for IU, and that was the commitment of Malik Renault. Uh, just, uh, you know, for me, as much as anything, and we're, we are going to spend some more time uh, getting Ryan's scouting report, uh, a more in-depth scouting report as we uh, as we go forward through the show tonight, but... You know, the, the, the couple things that stick out to me, one, it's just a, a really talented guy that's toward the top of the rankings. And I think, uh, as everybody said on the show on uh, Tuesday or, or Wednesday, whatever day it was, um, you know, you just can't have enough talent uh, on the roster at this point. And that's the name of the game. And in and, and trying to remake the roster uh, is really the other point of, of what Woodson wants. And, and you just are starting to see a a type, you know, Woodson has a type, if you will. And, uh, I think it's becoming pretty clear what that is. And, uh, you know, being able to have somebody who can, who can guard multiple positions, uh, who can, uh, you know, score inside plays good defense. I thought Tony had a really good, um, a really good scouting report on him as well within the community, uh, highlighting some of the things that he really does well. Uh, and there's room for growth. Uh, so I think you, you start with a pretty good foundation in a situation where, I think regardless of whether Trace comes back, you're able to to ease him along to a certain extent and and really let him grow into what should be a prominent role on the team by the time it's all said and done for him. So uh, an exciting commitment, exciting news, uh, particularly given the general state of recruiting in the Big Ten for IU to have uh, both Renault and uh, Jalen Huchifino coming in. They're two of uh, the top recruits entering the league, uh, which is a good thing for a team that, uh, you know, the roster is still in flux uh, on a variety of it for, you know, due to a variety of guys still making decisions, but, um, but anytime you can, you can bring in talent like that, uh, you have to be excited and, uh, we'll see what the next transactions are from an IU perspective and, and see, uh, how the roster shakes out as we go through the rest of the off season. But with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. Uh, Jared is off, uh, but we do have back once again, Cost a dollar, heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's not Sony time. Coach, how you doing tonight? I'm uh, so far... I'm going to jinx myself, but I've not read any of the parts. We switched who is going to host. I haven't read any of the parts that uh, made it sound like I was you uh, and then I was introducing me. So, so far, so good. How are you doing tonight? 
Uh, do, doing well. Really excited about uh, the, the direction of Indiana basketball from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, you know, the Malik Renault commitment is just fantastic. You need basketball players. You need dudes. You need athletic guys. And, and you were right about the fit. Uh, Coach Woodson's trying to get a fit into the program. You see that with the Dexter Dennis. Really uh, interesting in seeing how that plays out. The, the McNeil uh, young man, the transfer, was on campus. Uh, a lot of good things. And then don't forget about uh, the guys that are, are already uh, scheduled to come in. Jalen Hood Shafino brings a certain type uh, to Indiana. Uh, Caleb Banks uh, is, is a great player. Uh, whether he can contribute right away or not, we'll have to see. But the roster construction for the last five or six years has been suspect at best uh, with just pieces that are good and other pieces that weren't working so well. Coach Woodson's really working hard and really working fast. Uh, to move this into a, a complete roster in his image or in what his philosophy is, and, and that's exciting. Absolutely. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. is Ryan Phillips, who's uh, Padres fresh off a sweep of my hapless Reds that you really can't even take any pride in beating that team. So you can't even feel good about it. Uh, but uh, Ryan, what are your uh, what are your thoughts? I know we got some of your thoughts uh, on the emergency show earlier in the week, but uh, any any uh, any thoughts since or or uh, other other ruminations on the week that was? Uh, you know, great week for Indiana basketball. I think that Malik Renault committing you don't just get a guy for one year i think a lot of times i said this on the emergency show but you get a five star you immediately think all right well he's going to be around for nine months and then jump into the that, that's not the case here this is a multi-year player just like i think jalen hochefino is a multi-year player um so you're getting two guys from a powerhouse program recruiting programs is almost as important as recruiting players uh and so i think that that being able to go down to florida and bring these two guys in you create a relationship with that program. And if they succeed and they like what Mike Woodson does and they prepare them for the next level and they have success, you're going to get coaches there looking at Indiana more, more and more. And uh, I, I think that really, and we said it on that emergency show, but I think it needs to be said even more. Kenya Hunter is worth his weight in gold at this point. I mean, he's landed Tamar Bates, Jalen Hochefino, and Malik Renault. He was the lead recruiter on those three guys. He landed three top 30 players in the span of a year. Not enough is being said about that. Kenya Hunter has been incredible at Indiana, and I think that eventually he's going to be pulled away to be a head coach somewhere, and he will have earned that, uh, certainly on the recruiting trail. But I think that Indiana fans really need to appreciate uh, just how much work he does and how much he has personally helped improve this roster under both Archie Miller and Mike Woodson uh, with some of the players he brought in. Xavier Johnson? Kenny Hunter brought him in. You know, I mean, like, you just look at the list of guys that have come. Um, he and UC Roseman both have done excellent work recruiting. Brian Walsh, obviously, is responsible pretty much primarily for getting Gabe Cups in 2023. These assistants are doing work, and they're really helping, especially considering Mike Woodson had never recruited before. Now, Mike Woodson is the closer. He's been closing well, and he's, you know, sort of figured out that role. But we, a lot of people said when he came in that, you know, he had no experience on the recruiting trail, so I think that it'll be, it would be interesting to see how he'll deal with that. Well, the assistants have made up for that gap and have done a phenomenal job, and I think that they deserve a lot of credit from uh, from the fans as well. 
Agreed. All right. Well, coming up this week on the show, we'll do uh, hit some Hoosier headlines, which include a few general uh, college basketball headlines and, and Big Ten ones in the first segment. Then we'll uh, dig a little bit deeper on Malik Renault. Uh, got everybody's initial thoughts on on Tuesday, but uh, Ryan has his complete scouting report. So we'll ask a couple questions and, and discuss how he fits uh, on the roster next year. And then in segment three, we'll hit a few of the best questions submitted this week from our community members and also one from Jay. Uh, so with that, we'll uh, hit all that next uh, on assembly call. But before then, uh, let's talk a little bit about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, for the team. And this edition of assembly call radio, just like all shows on the back home network is presented by our friends at home field apparel where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And Homefield has something for fans and grads of other schools as well, considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. Uh, they had an Air Force launch today that had some great designs in it. They've been doing refreshes from some other schools. Uh, I think Virginia Tech was earlier in the week. Uh, Maryland was sometime uh, recently as well where they've added a couple shirts. So they just continue to expand uh, both the schools they have and the collections for the uh, for the schools that they already had uh, in the fold. So understand that no matter what you buy, it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. And you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. And what could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your entire first order. Again, that's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, guys. Uh, so, you know, the big headline this week is the Renault commitment, which, as I mentioned, we'll discuss a bit more in segment two. Uh, on the IU front, uh, the recruiting news is really about a couple of potential transfers. Dexter Dennis had an official visit. Uh, and then Sean McNeil from West Virginia, a, uh, a shooter from West Virginia, is in visiting this weekend. Uh, Dennis moved on from his IU visit and is at Clemson. Uh, I believe, and and I know we've talked a little bit about these guys, but uh, you, you know, Ryan, I think there's obviously questions as to there's scholarship questions regardless of of either of these guys. Um, but if you could get one of them, which one is the one that you would, I guess, prefer, and 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 why do you think they'd maybe be a better fit based on what uh, this team needs? It's tough. I mean, look, you never turn down a great defender, and, and Dennis is a phenomenal defender, but McNeil feels like he fills the bigger need, which is for a volume shooter who can knock things down. Now, he's 36.8% last year and 38.8% the year before, so you know he's not a 45%, not, not that those even exist in college basketball, but he's not you know a 40% three-point shooter, uh, but he's a good shooter. He shoots 86% from the free-throw line. The problem is here is that if Miller Cop could just be that guy, it would make life so much easier because we know he can shoot. You know he can shoot free throws. You know he can stretch the floor. He just hasn't done it at Indiana yet, and he didn't do it his final year at Northwestern. His shooting percentage went down. So you wonder if you know you bring in a guy like McNeil, does that spell the end for a guy like Miller Cop? Um, because it feels like they'd have the exact same role. Cop's a little bigger. I mean, McNeil's only about 6'3 and 205, so he's more of a pure shooting guard than sort of a, a wing or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know if they are just testing the waters here in case somebody else transfers or if they're really going after these guys full bore 
to bring him in immediately. Uh, I think that you always have to be on guard and looking for new guys if you're a coach in college basketball now because you don't know what's going to happen next week. I mean, guys could transfer out of nowhere. So to me, it's a sign they think somebody else is going to leave, whether it's Trace Jackson Davis or, you know, one of the other guys. But if Trace leaves, you now with Renault, with uh, Geronimo, with uh, Race Thompson, and with Logan Duncan, you kind of have your front court. You know, you're not too worried about it. You'll make it work if he comes back and you'll figure it out. Maybe you give Geronimo that chance to play the three like I think he wants to. Um, but you, you're you kind of set even if Trace goes. I mean, obviously you're losing a very talented player who, who was unbelievable for Indiana down the stretch. But you're kind of set there. Um, and so if you lose Trace and your addition is a shooter, you kind of look at the roster and you say, all right, that kind of fits. But the thing that's missing for this team is three-point shooting. I don't think it's defense. The defense was really good. And, and you know, I, I don't think a lot of the guys coming back are bad at defense. I think that it's going to be a good defense again. And so, really, it, finding the shooting element, I think, is the biggest thing. So, so McNeil feels like the, the more clean fit, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. McNeil is um... – not a good defender so he's kind of the antithesis of what you would would think Wood, Woodson has focused on and I think it's reasonable for fans to think about that in the um in the vein of like a Parker Stewart and to say there there's another guy similar to that probably worse defender uh a little bit smaller and and if you weren't really able in a lot of cases to to maximize some of what you know Parker Stewart's strengths were in terms of you know just outside shooting at times uh I don't know how you do that with McNeil and I'm not sure where he carves out minutes Dennis I think the versatility maybe gives him the option to play some different places um it definitely has a different skill set so I I tend to think a little bit of what you you do Ryan that it maybe is just trying to cover your bases and understand what's out there but I also think if you're either of these guys you've got to ask yourself the question of if I come in here where do the minutes come from where are the minutes and yeah. and how do I get on the floor so uh, coach any any thoughts on yeah, the prospects I, I, it's interesting you guys just said that I drew up some minutes looked at last year's averages and tried to figure out if TJD was back where the minutes would fall and how to make sure you have minutes. And and the, the question becomes, too, is you bring in – I think both of these young men are grad transfers, right? So they have one year and one year only. So with if TJD comes back, you're going to have five or six cop uh, – four starters and Dennis and, or McNeil, you're going to have five or six guys that you're going to rely heavily on that are going to move out. And if they get the major minutes, are you developing th those uh, bench guys to come in and step in? Um, again, it might be the right – Thing to do for next year's team but that, that's a tough question for coach Woodson is what's right to do next year uh, as a, and then also develop guys uh, with with game time as we know you get better by playing in the games uh, uh, as well as your development so I do think that's an issue for me uh, one of the things that Dennis brings that McNeil might not bring is his ability to offensive rebound I think that was uh, an area last year where the two guys race and TJD did a good job but really, uh, Parker uh, and and Miller Cop did not do a great job. If you could add that and steal some baskets, uh, that could help uh, as well. I do like the defensive nature uh, of Dexter Dennis. I think he's a, a great young guy. That's where I would lean. But there is definitely, if it, this team needs shooting, and if McNeil's the better shooter, which he is, uh, I think that's why you bring both of them in and see where you're at. 
as we talked on the emergency podcast, it's the timing issue that's uh, interesting. The May 1st deadline uh, for the ability to transfer versus the June 1st uh, Trace Jackson Davis uh, decision. Uh, and then what happens uh, if you do take commitments and, and Trace Jackson Davis comes back and, and there's a question that someone posed uh, for us later uh, about how fans uh, think think about all that. But, um, yeah, I, I would be happy, you know, you, you got to be happy. I'm changing as an old guy. I like to see guys come in, develop, and freshmen become sophomores, become juniors. But this is a new world uh, with the transfer portal, and you've got to be out there and compete with everyone uh, to get the best team you possibly can, regardless of what that means for players on the current roster. Yeah, some people in the chat are saying, you know, Dexter Dennis can shoot. Well, he shot 40% his freshman year. Then he dropped a th uh, from three, we're talking about, 40%. Then he dropped a 33.6 for back-to-back -back years and then was 29.7% last year. I think if you're bringing him in, banking on him to be a shooter for you offensively, you're gambling big time because his percentages have – and you know what? Some guys, as they mature, don't actually become better shooters. They gain weight. They're lifting. They do things like that, and they don't have the touch they had when they were younger. It happens, especially a guy who's a dog defensively like that. He works on that aspect of his game. It doesn't round out his offensive game. He becomes more one-dimensional. That seems to be what's happened here. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't bounce back and rediscover his shooting form and, and start knocking down shots, but you're just gambling heavily that, that he can turn it around, and I'm not sure that that's the smart thing to do. Again, I love a, a, a dogged defender. If you already had a bunch of good shooters, he seems like the easy take, but your shooting is a big question mark for this team, especially given the way Mike Woodson wants to play with four out, one in, and you know the ability to spread the floor didn't really have that this year as much as they wanted to. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens here, how it breaks down, especially because the, you know, the deadline to transfer is coming up rapidly. Yeah. College, uh, college basketball headline, uh, Jay Wright announced his retirement on Wednesday. And, and this brought about a lot of, you know, talk about the new realities of college basketball. I thought Gary Parish and uh, he, he broke it down well, which is kind of talking about, uh, seeing Jay Wright and Roy Williams, and I, I think to a lesser extent the the reasons would be the same for for Coach K. But just kind of talking about the the somewhat relentless nature of the the schedule, even more so now with the transfer portal and everything else, uh, maybe just burning guys out a little bit faster or things that they don't want to deal with. Um, you know, a question that Jared had put in here was essentially does Woody's insistence on doing the job on his own terms, not necessarily being a grinder bode well or poorly for IU moving forward, or is it too soon to tell? I mean, I, my, my initial take on that is a little bit of, uh, I think it was what Brian Walsh talked about in some of his, um, his media availability after being elevated to the assistant coaching position and talking about some of the responsibilities that people had on the staff to, to handle pieces of the recruiting. And then, Woodson essentially was the closer once they got him to, to campus and some of those things. And that that's probably an overly simplistic view of what's happening. But um, I think if that's true, then I think the burden of some of that falls a little bit less on, on Woodson and maybe more on the assistant coaches in a way to kind of spread that out amongst uh, the staff and some of those things. But, you know, coaches, you look at this, I mean, do you think that, you know, Wright's retirement on the heels of, of Roy Williams retiring uh, the, do you think that is part of a larger commentary about what's going on with the sport or not necessarily? Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, the job's different uh, than when a lot of these guys probably started. And, and I think that's a true fact. 
Um, is it a referendum on college basketball being worse off because of all of this? No, I think that's a narrative that someone wants to drive um, with the retirement of a coach. Uh, uh, when, when you coach, you love what you do, but you also know when it's time to walk away. And that time for uh, Bayheim is a lot different than it was for, for Jay Wright. And sometimes guys walk away and then want to come back in it. Um, you know, Sean Payton's uh, walked away for a year. You see guys walk away, go to get a studio job, come back. Um, there is a lot of work to do as a college basketball these days with the transfer portal. But that's part of the job, and that's part of the millions of dollars that gets paid, and you, you know that. And people just have a decision whether they want to do that and continue at certain ages or not. But I don't think it means that college basketball is becoming worse uh, the free agency, all of that is driving good coaches out. Uh, no, there are a lot of good young coaches that can come in and and get started in their career as well. Jay Wright had to start somehow. Roy Williams had to start somewhere, somewhere uh, when veteran coaches moved in, in their time. Uh, but the job's just hard. Uh, the question about Woody, every coach has to be themselves uh, in their own philosophy, and ultimately the results matter. If you can work um, you know, 24 hours a day and, and get a winner, then you work 24 hours a day. If you work a lot less and aren't a grinder and, and can win, the bottom line is, is results. But as a coach, you have to do what you're comfortable with. If you try to please someone and say, look at me, I'm working hard when that's not really your mojo and, and that work doesn't work, you know, pan out, then that's not uh, worthwhile. There is a happy medium between being real laid back as a coach and letting everyone else do things. And then being the Tom Crean working 20, you know, three hours a day, look at me, I'm working hard type thing. There is a, a, uh, happy medium, but, uh, if you're a college coach, you're signing up for no downtime. Uh, and I've seen articles today on the, on the internet about, Oh, there's not enough downtime for coaches. Well, you're getting paid a lot of millions to not have downtime. Um, and, and some coaches want, want at 60 to have that. So it's not a referendum on college basketball, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because it, I mean it's it it becomes really clear what side of things people fall on based on how they frame some of these up. I think you can look at some of these things and and ask those questions. I think the flip side of that is for all the things that you know they say, well, NIL has this and and this has this impact. You know, NIL. The reality in a lot of cases is we're seeing some really good players return to college basketball. Um, not, not only from an IU perspective in race Thompson, but Oscar Sheboy going back to, to Kentucky. Um, you, you're just seeing more quality players opt to do that and to be able to stay around in school, which I think is at least at times what a lot of people wanted. Well, I don't get to know these guys. They leave too quickly. They, they, whatever. Well, now you have some of them coming back and then it's, you kind of flip to whatever side of the argument you want to make as to, as to what it is. I think um, that's proven to be a good, good thing for college basketball. And I, yeah, there there are certainly some challenges, and coaching is is different in the the activities. But I, uh, I I don't know that to your point that 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 what's happened is necessarily a, a referendum on that. But Ryan, quick thoughts on that before we hit a couple more headlines. Yeah, you know about the NIL thing. I think what I think is interesting about that being a conversation about these coaches, you know, potentially leaving because of that. Players have been getting paid behind the scenes for years. Now it's just out in the open, guys. Like, let's be real. I mean, let's be 100% honest about this. These been a lot of big programs. This has been going on for a long time. Now it's just exposed and, and open. And so I don't think that has anything to do with it. I do agree that college sports, football, and basketball are a grind. It's a 24-7, 365 job. If you are not coaching, you are recruiting. 
constantly fundraising. Yeah, and then you're and if you're not doing that, you're barnstorming your area, glad handing boosters, getting money, figuring out. And then, you know, if it's not that, it's you're replacing your assistant who went to coach somewhere. Like, it's just relentless. Whereas in the NBA, you get three months off, you know, I mean, pretty much. And there's, you know, you have to recruit, you know, free agents or whatever, but that's a couple weeks and then you're done. And uh, you can do a lot of your scouting and things like that remotely. And, and, but in college basketball, you got to be on, you got to be at those AAU tournaments, making FaceTime with those guys. You got to be at the state championships, shaking hands and kissing babies and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, it's tough, man. It's a tough life. It's a rare coach like coach K who gets into his seventies these days. It's incredibly rare. And what happens in a lot of cases is guys burn out and they just don't perform their teams don't perform as well. And either they get fired or they walk away and Jay Wright walked away on top. Essentially. I mean, Villanova still a great program, you know, made the final four this year, seemed to reload every year instead of rebuilding. I thought I, I said it on Twitter and I've said it on this program. I think he's the best coach in college basketball. Sad that he leaves. And I would love to see him, uh, you know, maybe take over USA basketball. So he's still in basketball. Cause I think he's a good guy to have around basketball. Maybe just give that guy, make him the, uh, USA team USA basketball czar and coach the team and get a break and all that stuff. I think, I think it's, it's a shame. He's not going to be around anymore, but I get it. I mean, it is, it is a rough, I mean, we complain about having to do off season shows, you know, (laughs) imagine that being your whole week, you know, and that's just an hour a week in the off season. So um, yeah, I, I get it. And I think that it's, it is a real rough rough lifestyle. And, And quite frankly, it's the reason a lot of guys who come from the NBA to college do not succeed because it's not the same lifestyle in the NBA. You do a lot of coaching in college basketball on court. Coaching is maybe half your job. And so it's just a different world and it's a different switch you have to flip. And so not, I mean, sadly, not surprised if we see more of this. Yep. Uh, other couple of headlines here to hit uh, Rob Fennessy committed to Cincinnati. He was down to Cincinnati and Butler. So commits, uh, to Cincinnati in the Big Ten, uh, comings and goings. Kofi Coburn declares for the draft. Uh, Eric Hunter from Purdue is in the portal, and Dawson Garcia, the once uh, highly sought after uh, Archie Miller recruit uh, that went to North Carolina, left there midway through the season, is going uh, to Minnesota, which I think is back home or back close to home at least for him. Uh, and then the Big Ten tournament. Announced it will be in Chicago in 2023 and then Minneapolis in 2024. Uh, Ryan, any of those uh, jump out to you? Stick the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis every year. It's the best venue for it every time. When they do it anywhere else, it winds up stinking. Indianapolis is the best city to host that stuff. Put it there every time. That's my that's my take there. Uh, <laughs> who wants to go to Minneapolis in, like, March? It, come on. It's freezing. Chicago's fun. Let's be it. Chicago. Chicago's a good town. I'd go there once every like three years, put it in Chicago, but every other year it should be in Indianapolis. It's central. Everybody can drive in. It's it's the best place to do it. Yeah. Coach, any, uh, any of these jump out? Uh, I, I agree, but I am interested in going to Chicago, uh, and, and hanging out in one of my favorite cities wow. next year. Uh, I do have a relative in Minneapolis. So free housing is the only reason that, uh, I would be okay with the, the big 10 tournament. Uh, so I may still, con- uh, pursue some media availability there really happy for rob um uh, reconnecting with uh, coach roberts um personal fan uh obviously of coach roberts uh and, and you wish rob 
you appreciate what he did, hit some big shots. You really appreciate the fact that he has a chance to go play. Uh, and, and, you know, you would have felt that way if his Butler too, but there's that little bit of in-state Butler, Indiana. You know, we're not playing in the crossroads anymore, but um, at least at Cincinnati, I feel uh, like I can I can definitely root for the young man a little bit more freely than, than um, at, at Butler, even though I don't mind Butler. Uh, and, um, you know, it's just uh, there's a lot of news. There will be continuous news until May 1st, uh, and it could affect uh, Indiana's program, but it could affect others in the Big Ten. We're just going to keep getting some news here with, with the way things are, and it's just the new way. We, we just got to be ready for it. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, excited for Rob. Uh, may have to go taking a game uh, here at UC. I think uh, Wes Miller did a really good job in his first year, had a lot of roster turnover, but – you know, thought he was a, a good hire at the time and think he can continue to build things there. So uh, excited for Rob to be a part of that and obviously wish him nothing but success. And if we have time later, we'll uh, we'll hit a question about Rob as we kind of look back on his uh, IU career. Uh, all right. Well, we uh, coming up on Assembly Call Radio. We'll talk more about the biggest story of the week, the Malik Renault commitment to IU, uh, where we'll get Ryan's full scouting report and more. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, good evening to the chat mob. I think my favorite comment so far from uh, Brian in the chat, Minneapolis, was the moon not available? That seems seems apropos. I mean, what are you going to do? Oh, well. We will, uh, we'll see how it goes, I, I think. Um, you know, I think a more centralized location has generally proven to be better versus, uh, times when they've, uh, branched out to, uh, roughly as cold as the moon. Didn't they do DC the one year and then, uh, Madison square garden the other year Madison square garden and the Madison square garden one was particularly weird because they had to do it a week early because other conferences were going to be there. And they compressed the whole conference schedule to do it because they, they tried to get them to move the big East tournament and Madison square garden was like, no. We're not doing that. Um, so, yeah. Well, uh, all right. All right. Let's, hop, let's hop into it since we got to kind of shut it down around 10 tonight. So we'll get into the scouting report and we'll uh, go from there. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple double in 47 years? 
celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And tonight's episode is also sponsored by the Superior Insulators, owned by longtime listener and IU season ticket holder, Brad Brosmer. We've been telling you about all the great work Brad's company has done installing air barrier systems and spray foam for the IU Excellence Academy, and how they also worked on the IU football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus. And that is made all the more impressive by the fact that they aren't even based in Bloomington. But now, thanks to their recent acquisition of spray foam insulators in Bloomington, they'll be able to grow and service the market more efficiently through local teams and support. And it comes with their long-term objective of having a physical presence in Bloomington. So if you're anywhere in southern Indiana and you need residential or commercial insulation, visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. That's insulators, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And thank you, Brad, for your continued support of the show. All right, so Malik Renault, uh wanted to circle back to this. And like I said, you guys were on uh, with a, a number of others uh, getting thoughts on the uh, in the aftermath of the Malik Renault commitment uh, earlier this week. Uh, and so, Ryan, I know you've had a little bit more time to look through the scouting report from him. So uh, I guess for those who either didn't listen to the show yet from Monday um, or perhaps throw in something that maybe you saw in, in digging in a little bit deeper on him that maybe uh, you didn't bring up on uh, on Tuesday, you know, just maybe a, a quick overview and, and again, thoughts on anything new that you may have discovered and uh, digging deeper on him this week. Yeah, for those who don't, 6'8", about 210, uh, power forward, post type uh, from Montverde Academy, where Jalen Hood, time Indiana's had two commits since 2004. Uh, and, you know, they have they, this gives them in the Big Ten, time of God knows how long. Best recruiting class for Indiana, I would say, since 2013 now. Uh, great job by these guys getting him on campus quickly and, and getting him to, to lock in. You know, I think that, and, and I said this the other day, that watching some of his highlights, I think that uh, Indiana fans are going to get a little flashback to Trace Jackson Davis. He's a lefty, uh, played at Montverde, played a lot with his back to the basket. I don't think that's what he loves to do. Uh, I think he's more of a face-up guy, but you see a lot of his highlights from Montverde because Montverde was so talented, everybody had very specific roles. And his was to be a back-to-the-basket guy and use that left-handed hook to, to finish. Tony mentioned on our show the other day, and I think it's right after watching so much film on him, his footwork is impeccable in the post. A lot of up and under type stuff. A lot of, he, you know, he faced a great competition. And so he had to sometimes face guys bigger than him at 6'8 or the same size. And he had to find ways to finish around the hoop. And he's a phenomenal finisher around the hoop. Really great footwork in the post. Gets himself set up well uh, and, and can really go to work down there. Um, he also can finish with both hands, which I know will be music to Indiana fans ears after a lot of left-handed shots from Trace Jackson Davis over the years, but he's a guy who really knows how to finish around the rim and, and does it from a lot of angles. And, and I said the other day, he doesn't need a straight line to the basket to get a bucket. He can go around guys, under guys, dip across the lane and finish, uh, you know, do a finger roll, like whatever it takes, he will find a way to put the ball in the hoop. What I like about him, and I think what expands his game above what a Trace Jackson Davis does, is his ability 
and and I think desire to face guys up from about 10, 15 feet and drive by them. And he's a great ball handler for his size, uh, great passer for his size. He can handle the ball in the perimeter. He's not going to, you know, be breaking guys down off the dribble. But if you're up against another post at that at that spot, maybe three-point line, free-throw line, he can get by you. And he's a lot quicker than he looks for his size. Very strong. He finishes through contact. He almost – and I said this about Jalen Huchifino too, and I don't know if it's something that Montverde preaches or if it's just two guys who happen to be there at the same time doing the same thing, but he almost likes contact. He will finish strong through contact. He doesn't need to dunk it either. Um, he's a good athlete with good length, but he's not uh, – you know. I feel like a lot of times guys are one thing or the other. They're a super athlete who needs to find basketball IQ or they're a good athlete with basketball IQ when they're ranked this high. He's the guy who's a good athlete, has a very high basketball IQ, reads plays very well, incredible offensive rebounder as well. Um, really, really great at, at offensive rebounding. And and I think he's a, he's a, a willing defender and a relentless rebounder. I think that, that those are two things that he can bring right away. Um, his size plays in the big 10. He'll probably be able to add another 15, 20 pounds, but right now he's big and he's strong. He's not a guy who's coming in, you know, Logan Duncan, when he came out this year was on the floor. He looked real skinny. Renault's not going to be that he is. He's a load. He is strong. Um, and I think the one drawback we see on film is his jump shot. And, and, uh, I think he's got decent free throw form, but you see the three pointers he takes. It's almost like a set shot. He barely gets off the ground when he shoots. Um, the form isn't terrible, but he's just, it just doesn't look comfortable out there. And so I'd like that. That's going to be the next step of his development is his ability to knock down shots from 15 feet out to the three point line. Does he have the ability to do it? Hey, you know what? It certainly doesn't look like he's out of place out there, but he's got to be able to develop and, and start hitting there and get his shoulders square and, and follow through and all those things. Uh, right now, he's a guy who's going to step on the floor and give you po- points close to the basket give you offensive rebounds, give you a lot of energy. Uh, as I said uh, earlier this week, I think he's a bench guy ticketed for maybe 20 minutes a game uh, who's going to develop and, 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 and get better as time goes on. And he does a lot of little things that you want guys like that to do. He's also projects as a multi-year player. He's not a guy who's going to be a one and done. Uh, to be at his size and be a one and done, you got to be able to shoot the three and, and have a little more athleticism. He's missing those things. That means he's a building block, not just a guy who's going to come in and put up big numbers. Yeah, so as you, and I think you you alluded to this, but uh, I feel like I always try to ask you these questions when uh, when we do these. So the you know, first one on the uh, I'll, I'll do the positive side first. You know, what are the things that he does that translate immediately uh, for IU? I think you you mentioned offensive rebounding and, and defense. Maybe it's it, maybe it's those two, but you know, are those the things? Are there other things that you see that earns him playing time right away and translate with what he's already doing? At least it feels like translate right away to next year. I think early on he's going to get a lot of points off offensive rebounds. I think that's going to be a thing where he comes off the bench and he's just going to annoy the crap out of the other team because he just works. And and there are, there are you know when you watch film on him, there are times where the shot goes up and he's still moving to get position. Where a lot of guys once the shot goes up, you kind of stop, have your guy you know behind you, and you're looking you know for where the ball is going to be. He's digging in and pushing guys out of the way to, to create space so he can go get that offensive rebound. And he is a, as I said, relentless offensive rebounder. So I think that's the first thing. Second thing is, you know, he's played great competition and he's going to be able to step on the court and, and, and give you offense right away, I think. I mean, he won't, you know, he's not going to be scoring 20 points a game, 
but he's going to be able to get you offense in the post right away and maybe be able to step on the floor. I think he'll eventually be a pretty good pick and roll guy because he can stay out on the floor. And if he doesn't have a role, he can, uh, you know, a role to the basket, he can step out, handle the ball a little bit and move it along. Um, just a really smart kid. He also, again, good passer for his size. And, and I think that his ability to just kind of control things and, and, and work within the system. And again, they have a very firm system at Montverde. It's not a, a run and gun, uh, a, a, you know, AAU style game. They really do have, you know, a pretty well-run system. And he was able to fit in perfectly. And he and Jalen Hutchfino worked well together. I think that will continue, obviously. They'll probably see the floor a lot together. Um, but I just, I think that the offense and the offensive rebounding, the first things he's going to be able to provide. And he also... Smart defender, you know, he'll he'll show off a pick and roll a little to sort of slow somebody and then be able to get back. He's got some savvy and he moves well. You know, he's got good footwork and moves well. And I think all of those things combined to be like, this is a guy who can contribute early. May not start. I don't think he's a starter, but, you know, a contributor early who develops into that starter guy that you really needed before. So on the on the other side of that, you know, I think the jump shot talked about and being able to, to step out a little bit is one thing that I think is important to his long term future at IU. But I don't yeah. know that the lack of that is something that prevents him from contributing next year. No. Uh, Lord knows IU's had plenty of guys contribute who haven't been able to hit outside shots over the last few years. So we we know that that's not a prerequisite for uh, for that. But w- what maybe is something else outside of that shooting that might. Uh, that might be a struggle for him uh, as you move into uh, his first year at the college level? Well, I think size is always an issue. I think he's strong enough to, to compete in the big 10 right away, but I mean, he's going to be facing grown men, you know, who are, were, you know, maybe 240 and he's 210. And I'm sure he'll put on some weight as soon as he gets to campus. But I think the size is, is always going to be a thing, especially if he's backing up and actually playing in the post at six, eight. Um, so I think that that's, that's a concern. And I think just getting up to speed, maybe, you know, I, I think he's pretty good laterally uh, going side to side, but, you know, you can always add more of that. And I think that, you know, that's what Cliff Marshall's job is going to be is get this guy to be a little quicker, maybe a better jump, maybe, you know, add some to his vertical, things like that. Cause he's not a, he's not a, you know, bouncy athlete. I think, you know, if you're looking at athleticism, I think you're looking at a Jawan Morgan type who's, you know, has athleticism, but that's not, that's not the keystone of what he does. He's more of a cerebral smart, well-rounded player, as opposed to the guy who can jump out of the gym like a Troy Williams or, or someone like that. So coach, um, you know, kind of taking into account everything that we've talked about this week with Huchifino and being able to step back, listen to some different perspectives on that. I mean, what, what would you say are fair expectations for him uh, from a, a, for his freshman season? Well, I, I agree uh, with Ryan about the 20 minutes, uh, Mark, uh, probably somewhere, you know, six to nine points a game, you know, four or five rebounds if he gets those solid minutes, um, you know, with the chance for that to be a little better, depending on whether Trace Jackson Davis comes back and his minutes might have to increase a little bit from there. The 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 thing that I think will play well early for Coach Woodson is is that basketball IQ that Ryan's talking about that those intangibles he has multiple moves angles in the post very patient in the post we talked about that a little bit on Monday he, really he's patient and gets people to move he can come back to his right side doesn't you know, force a little anything shimmy though. shake um, I love that sigma face up or the quick catch elbow catch so there's so many things you can design with the player uh, of that skill level but one thing is I think he's ready defensively or as ready as you can be getting out of high school, even at Mount Verde, good competition. It's a leap up to the big 10, 
But they mentioned his footwork on jumping out on ball screens, on his ability to be able to hedge ball screens and that. So if he's a quick learn for the college game, that'll get him some more minutes. But what helps him in that, what helps Hood Shafino is physicality. You know, it's different. You know, Tamar was highly rated. I think Tamar learned that the, the strength and the, and the speed of the game. But I, I, think, I think he will uh, also be able to defend the post at some point although his size is an issue, but definitely to be able to the four. And the best thing about him defensively, I believe, is his ability to switch. If they switch onto a perimeter, he will fight really hard to keep that guy in front, uh, even though that's a small on big switch. I think he's that talented enough once he gets up to speed collegiately to be able to switch onto perimeters. And that's, that's a key in the college game now for your fours and fives to be able to do that. So, Ryan, let, let's kind of step back a little bit and look at the class overall. Phil asked a question about the roles of uh, of, of each guy in the class. So you've got Jalen Hinchifino, uh, Renault, Caleb Banks, and then C.J. Gunn. Uh, just as you look at that class overall, uh, the, the first two are the, the headliners in terms of recruiting rankings and all those things, and I think Hinchifino is a little bit more – uh, we've talked a lot of, about Renault, uh, and I think we all have a, a reasonably good idea of what we at least think Hood Shafino would be. But I guess kind of give some quick thoughts on him, and and maybe more so thoughts on Banks and Gunn as the you know kind of under mentioned guys within the class, and and what kind of roles they may take on. Yeah, Hood Shafino's just he's going to be a point guard, but but I think that you know or a lead guard, I guess you would say. But he's not a high volume scorer. I mean, he will he could score. He'll pop for twenty occasionally but he's not you know a guy who's going to be averaging 18 you know he's not romeo lankford uh of, of that time type of scoring ability he's and he's not a guy who you know he'll he popped a few games where he had a ton of assists but he's more of a guy who does everything to keep the offense moving not necessarily a high volume assists guy he's a, he has a lot of a hockey assist kind of stuff very solid all the way around can kind of do everything i mean basically good at everything doesn't have a specific great skill that jumps out, but he's a winning basketball player. I think that that's the thing a, a lot of people mentioned about have mentioned about Hood Shafino and, and Renault, and it's true, is they won two national titles together. They're winners. They go out there and they win games, and they're players that do things that help you win games. So I love that about them. I think that's a big key is you're bringing guys in from good programs who win. Uh, as far as Caleb Banks, he's more he, he's 6'8", 215-ish, maybe 220, but he's more of a perimeter-oriented guy. He's listed as a power forward, but he's more of a guy who's going to play on the perimeter as a shooter and driver, and he's going to be a, a, a scorer. Now, I don't know what he'll be as a, as a freshman. It'll be interesting to see because you don't know what those guys are going to be like until you got them on campus, really. Um, but but he's, he's not a back-to-the-basket guy by the way Renault is, despite the comparison of their sides. Um, he really stepped up as a three-point shooter this year for Fayette County. Um, CJ Gunn, perimeter, he's a guard, 6'5", you know, under 200, I would say. Uh, and and he's, he's a pure, you know, shooting guard type guy uh, who improved a lot this year. And I think that we can maybe do, a, do another scouting report on him. He's been committed for so long. You know, his game's changed a little bit. Uh, but he was a high volume scorer in in high school this year, and and did a really good job at Lawrence North, um, and and you know really has has just I wouldn't say his game has necessarily evolved evolved. He's just gotten better at all the things he does, and I don't know if he's going to be a guy who gets a ton of minutes early in his career, uh, but he could be a guy who in two years is a big contributor 
to, to the offense. Um, but Banks, you know, is a guy who really took a jump this year, I thought, you know, went from a lot of potential to actually fulfilling it. So you're, you're getting guys who do a lot of different things. Uh, but one thing you're getting with Banks and Gunn is shooters. Uh is a guy who needs to work on his jumper. Uh, he's a guy whose feet will often be facing that way when he's shooting this way, you know, straight ahead. And uh, his feet are off to the left. So he's got to work that out. He'll, he'll be able to hit some, but he's not a, he's not a knockdown jump shooter. Um, and, and Renault is, is a right now a, a, a back to the basket post guy uh, who likes to maybe step out and, and drive you from about 10, 15 feet. So they all kind of do different things. And uh, it is really a complete class. I think a very good class. And, and one thing about getting Renault that was great is there was a big hole in the front court moving forward. Um, especially if, if Trace Jackson Davis left, but even at, but I'm talking about after next season. And that was why what made Xavier Booker like a must get for this program and getting Renault really softens that to a point where you want to get Xavier Booker, but it's not as big an emergency as you thought it was. Yeah. Coaches, as you look at the class as a whole, you know, what are your thoughts? I think Ryan made a good point there toward the end. You, you've got a lot of different skill sets. You really don't have any, duplication from a positional standpoint you you really have four different guys who in theory would play four different positions four different roles uh on, on the team out there which i think makes some sense just to to get some you know kind of cover a broad range of of things but what's your overall thoughts on the class and uh high level expectations for her for yeah. the uh, for the other three yeah the top five you know recruiting class speaks for you're getting athletes they're all athletes in their specific role uh, you know, Malik is going to be a below the rim kind of athlete, not a high flyer, but he's going to be able to do a lot of things. And then you have Banks who can move, uh, shoot some. Uh, it'll be interesting to see at, at six, seven, is it that a four spot that he plays and then he's behind a couple guys this year or can he back up a, a cop or play the three or a Geronimo at the three? If Geronimo moves to the three, it's going to be interesting to see where he's at. Really interested in seeing his ability to contribute and how much his freshman year, There, you know, I think there might be difficulty finding him some minutes uh, based on who's there and who might come back, and, and they're recruiting the Dennis guy. Um, Gunn is probably going to be someone who's learning his freshman year, but he's a shooter and a scorer. And then uh, Hood Shafino is going to be the Rob Finnessy uh, of next year. He's going Rob played 18 minutes, scored four and a half points. I think Jalen Hood Shafino will have different types of production. He'll miss the experience that Rob had, but his ability um, – those hockey assists, those ability to come off ball screens and snake back in and have guys on your back and then find the next open guy. I think he is there already. I think he has the confidence um, like um, uh, as a freshman, you know, that is going to be built up to be the next Xavier Johnson um, as at least as coming off ball screens and doing those things. So I think two guys will have major roles probably off the bench. Jalen Hood, Shafino, if he doesn't start, will be off the bench. Malik off the bench. Get Both of them should get 20 minutes. I hope they get 20 minutes so they can develop forward. I think the other two guys will be hit or miss game situations uh, to play, but all four have distinctly different um, skill sets, and, and I'm sure Woodson will find a way to build that and utilize it. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I agree, Ryan. That's probably something as we're sometimes looking for topics on some of these offseason shows, probably a, a revisiting of C.J. Gunn after his uh, his last season would probably be a, a worthwhile endeavor. So we'll – We'll put that, sure. on the, uh, put that on the list. Um, all right. Well, coming up on the assembly call, we will answer uh, some of the best questions that were submitted by our community members this week. Uh, that's next. Stick with us here on the assembly call.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, I'm just going to roll right into this next one. We'll try to at least hit a few of these before uh, we got to shut it down here. So we'll just, uh, we will dive right in. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And now it is time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. All right, to start things off. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. All right, this week's mediocre question. Let's assume the big three are back in TJD, Xavier Johnson, and Race Thompson. In your opinion, who will be the next most important player in determining whether IU basketball takes a big step forward next season? Uh, And by big step forward, he's alluding to competing at the top of the Big Ten and for the second weekend of the tournament. So next most important behind those guys, not necessarily just next most important to return, uh, but next most important to uh, to contribute. So, Ryan, I'll throw this one to you first. Tamar Bates. I think he's got to take that that next step as a scorer. Uh, they need perimeter scoring. They need a shooter, a guy who can shoot uh, out there. And I think Tamar has shown the ability to do that, but he needs to get better. And they need a guy who can score off the bounce and maybe hit that. You know, if he doesn't get to the rim, he's, he's shown a pull-up game. He's, you know, shown that he can do it. He just needs to take that next step and become sort of an alpha scorer and 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 maybe even a closer because they need some help with a closer from the perimeter. Uh, Johnson did it some this year. TJD was a closer this year. But Tamar Bates is the guy who needs to take the leap forward for Indiana to be. And I think a lot of people are assuming that he will uh, because of just how talented he is. But, you know, top 30 recruit, got to start showing like it. Uh, bad you. shot maker. To Tamar Bates, e- easily. Um, he has ability to be a bad shot or a late shot clock maker. You know, when you're down to three or four seconds and, and make a move and score at the elbow or pull up at three and, and hitting someone's face, Indiana hasn't had that um, uh, for a while. And I think Tamar has the potential to do that. I'm not saying he's going to be able to do that, but if he does that and all three of those guys are back doing what they did uh, last year and we add quality freshmen uh, to the bench, that that's, uh, again, you know, Ryan said it earlier, the, the outside shooting, the scoring, the scorer's mentality, the alpha, all of that stuff is true. Uh, I think Tamar has the, the best chance to get there uh, with his skill set. Yeah, for me, I think if you make the assumption that, that both Race and Trace are back, I think the, you know, it, it probably isn't a front court guy that is then the answer to this question. 
So it really leaves you to perimeter guys, uh, and, and Tamar Bates is one. And that's probably who I would go with as well. I think the other two that came to mind for me to think about, you know, one Coach Marlowe mentions here in the chat is Trey Galloway. I, I think that's very contingent upon him really, really improving his shooting in the offseason, uh, which is a big question mark, obviously, based on on what we've seen. And I don't think something that we would um, that we would 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 bet a whole lot of money on. Uh, but I think he'll put in the work to try to do it. I think it's just a question of whether you, you see those results. And the other guy along those lines would be Huchifino. I, I think being able to have a secondary ball handler out there, uh, another guy, another playmaker uh, in there would be important. And I think his size, uh, both from a defensive standpoint, and, and uh, I think allows some versatility there. So I, I would go with Tamar, but I think those other two guys – uh, would be in the mix as well, simply because I feel like it, it has to be uh, somebody on the perimeter because those are really where the most uh, the most uncertainty, I guess, would be uh, from a you know starting lineup and, and that kind of standpoint. Uh, all right, next uh, from Greg, does a transfer portal need reformed? I'm thinking free transfers when head or associate head coaches leave. Otherwise, one free transfer for juniors, seniors, but some restrictions on freshmen and sophomores. Maybe it doesn't need changes at all, or maybe we need a few more years to see how things shake out. Uh, Coach, I'll, I'll throw this to you first. I know you've talked a lot and answered some of these questions about how you've maybe changed your opinions on some of these things over the course of time. But, you know, what are your thoughts on whether it's okay like it is, it should change, or we just don't know enough yet to, to figure out what the real impact of it is on college yeah, basketball? I, I think the answer is we haven't, we really don't know enough yet on a four year, five year impact or a rotation of transfers multiple years. That's probably the real answer. Traditionally, from an old, uh, old man standpoint, it's hard to see 1,400 players in the transfer portal. I think 1,200 were scholarship, 200 were, were walk ons. Uh, you know, the idea, the old values of commitment, you make a commitment, your word is good, you go there, you develop, win your weight, all those things I believe in still hold true and value. Um, but also, um, if you go to a school as a student and it's not right for you and you want to transfer someone else, you're, you're allowed to do that. And technically, these kids are students at universities. So um, just because they play a sport doesn't mean they have to be locked into three years, four years, Um I have come around to that. I don't know if that is correct for everyone. Uh, it wasn't for me two or three years ago when this thing was starting. Uh, I, I didn't like it because of the commitment and wanting to like players to stay for two or three years to get to know them. But uh, I, I think everything might need adjusted at some point, the NIL, the transfer portal, because we just haven't seen a, a full cycle of the impact of it. Uh, but I, I think it's it's headed in the right direction. Uh, because there's a lot of money in college sports on the backs of these young uh, men and women uh, now uh, that uh, I think some of this is good for them to be able to do stuff that, that they choose to do, and ultimately comes down to a person thing for me, not a, a, a basketball thing for me. So I'm okay with it. Uh, always open for some changes. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's going to be – things will evolve. Uh, over time as they see what works. I, I do think that, you know, you're getting into a situation where guys are transferring and then there's just too many transfers to too few spots. And so I think that, that is something they need to, to protect against. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, wh what, what to do. I don't have any solutions right now. I do think that guys should be able to transfer once. I, I do think that you get so, a lot of these kids have been taken advantage of over the years. We're sold a bill of goods about, 
playing time and all that. And then coaches just mean to have them as reserves. And it, it's not fair to the players where they could go somewhere else where there's playing time. And, and also these are kids making life-changing decisions at 17. Sometimes they make the wrong decision and they should have the ability to get out of that decision uh, and, and maybe go somewhere that's, that's right for them. So I like the rule when it was implemented. Um, but I think that the, the, the one-time transfer rule, I like that when it was implemented, we'll see how it shakes out. I'm always willing to, to, to have these things evolve and change. Uh, but I'm also a lot for player empowerment because I think college basketball players have been taken advantage of for college athletes in general, have been taken advantage of for far too long. And it's nice to see them being able to make some money off their name and, and, and be able to control their own destiny and things like that. Um, and, you know, if it adds a little more stress to the guys making millions and millions of dollars off their backs, well, I'm, I'm sorry, fellas, you're going to have to get used to it. Yeah, I think it's – I don't know what the, the the best answer to it is. You know, some of these guys that I see that are on school number four uh, over – a you know, like Josh LeBlanc is a, a guy that I was thinking of. You know, started at Georgetown, then went to LSU – uh, then went to UAB and now I think transferred to nickel state or something like that. I mean, I think at some point that there's probably a, a limit that needs to be hit, um, unless there's some extenuating circumstances there. So maybe you can right. do that. If family member, if health, you just so happen stuff, yeah. to be, uh, if you just so happen to be at a place where the coach left every year or whatever, and there's some of that, I think the family health stuff is one that was used, but then I think it was abused uh, at other times as well. And I think if you're the NCAA and some, you're kind of putting yourself in the position to, to be the villain because the ability to really apply these rules and, and whatever waivers you give, everybody's always going to scrutinize, well, why did you approve this one, but not this one and whatever else. So it's almost like you throw your hands up and just say, do whatever you want. Uh, and maybe that's what the answer is with that eventually. But, uh, I think we're probably too soon to tell in some of this. I think it's also too soon to tell for some of the players to be able to understand, you know, what are the track records of guys who have done some of these things and to say, Hey, is this really the right move more often than not? Does this work out for somebody or not? And I, you know, you would hope that players are taking that into account as they see different things and saying, Hey, I'm, you know, typically guys transferring from high major school to a mid major school. Here's what typically happens in some of that. But, uh, we'll see. I don't have a huge issue with it. I just, um, I think it's probably a little bit too early to tell. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll throw this one out. This is from JD. There's also kind of a question from Robin here to hit, and then we'll, we'll wrap up after this. Uh, perhaps you all know more than I do. But why is the fan base getting upset or totally supporting the coaching staff, potentially running off players when that hasn't actually happened yet? Also, isn't it possible that any of the four guys who already decided to transfer, we're also essentially told not to come back. I guess I don't get this much focus on the issue. And then, you know, Rob's uh, question was along the same lines and basically saying, am I wrong to hope that neither of these portal transfers commit? I don't really like the idea of a potential situation where someone could get run off for lack of a better phrase to be the downsides of that are heavier than the potential improvements that either of these guys provide. Uh, Ryan, I'll throw that one to you first. I mean, it, uh, I guess it's generally thoughts on kind of do's and don'ts of roster management in, in some ways uh, and kind of your view on, uh, on that aspect of things. Running players off is, is never great business because word gets around and coaches won't send their kids to play for guys that consistently run people off. Um, that said, some of the players on the team were not recruited by Mike Woodson. And if they don't fit his system, 
I'm not saying he's going to force them out, but I think it becomes very obvious that they do not fit what he's trying to do. And in, in a lot of cases, it's not a spoken thing. It's not walking, you know, calling the kid in the office, being like, you need to transfer. It's a lot of the kids just like, I don't really fit here anymore. I understand I'm not going to get playing time. I'm going to go somewhere where I can get playing time. Rob Finnessy started for three years and was not a starter this year because Xavier Johnson was better than him. And so he went somewhere where he's going to have an opportunity to start. I don't think that's running anybody off. Parker Stewart clashed with Mike Woodson a few times this year. We know that from, from reports. And um, I don't think it was anything bad. I just think it was the kind of thing where maybe he's going to go somewhere where he can, you know, maybe have the ball in his hands a little more, try and score a little more. And he's not just a standing shooter. Um, so I think that a lot of it is just, you know, Christian Lander just never got it together at Indiana. And, and Mike Woodson clearly by recruiting Jalen Huchifino and getting him the writing was on the wall that Jalen Huchifino is the next long-term point guard at Indiana, not Christian Lander. And so I think that he just moved on and went somewhere and he didn't play much this year because he didn't play defense and all that. Um, so I just think that it, sometimes it's not an explicit message. It's just, these are the guys we're bringing in. You, I didn't recruit. Are you going to stay knowing that the guys I recruited are probably fit my system better? And so it's a lot of these guys leave in search of playing time. And I, I'm not a fan of running people off. I, if you, if they have a scholarship in Indiana, they should continue to have a scholarship in Indiana. Uh, but I think a lot of these guys read the writing on the wall and decide to, to move on because of that. I think um, we, we call it running off too, but there's honest conversations. If you're a good coach, you're having conversations about playing time throughout the whole year and, and development throughout the whole year. And, and you can have an honest conversation and say, player A, you know what? Um, I don't see a, a place where you're going to get a lot of minutes next year. And I'm just telling you that. Uh, so you have some decisions to make. If you're here, we're, we're going to you know love to have you. If not, uh, you know we're going to find someone to take your place. Uh, but it's going to be very difficult for you to have, have minutes. Uh, and sometimes it's unless you develop A, B, and C in your game in a year, and that's likely not to happen. But I think it, there's an honest way to be honest about the future for some people so they can make the best decision for them. That I'm for. I'm not a for just saying all of a sudden you got a guy you think's better, now you're going to go, hey, and just flat out cut a kid in a college situation. It's got to be done, done correctly. And overall, I, I think coaches need to plan out their roster too but with this roster uh, portal, uh, the portal stuff, roster construction is more fluid now. And I think you just got to be honest with athletes. We're going to play the best eight or nine. Uh, and if you're not one of the best eight or nine, we're going to bring people in. Uh, and, and then you might need to, to move elsewhere. I know that sounds harsh. And for me, I don't like it. But it's all part of this new NCAA basketball. I'm trying to enjoy the sport, even though some of the things um, – and not worry about things that I can't change because it's not going to go backwards uh, and embrace it and, and hope Coach Woodson has success. Um, but I don't like it either. Uh, but the the question, original question, J.D., we as Indiana fans fall in love with players because they come to Indiana. We love Indiana. And then we like to get to know them. And we like to follow them from freshman to senior year or till they declare, you know, two years, three years. We enjoy that. And we we – we see it as more of a fandom situation than a roster construction. The coach is paid to construct the roster. Uh, we, we, we grow attached to players through social media and other things, and that makes it a little bit harder and why people get a little more upset uh, with, with the running off, in my opinion, uh, and it becomes a topic. Uh, but there, just, there are right now 15 possible players for 13 spots, uh, either having visits or having NBA decisions, 
And what that means is someone's got to go or someone's not going to be asked to come uh, if it's those transfer portal guys. So that's another reason why it's in the news and, and people are talking about it. Yeah, I think a couple of things that you said really resonated with me, Coach. The first was just about the honest conversation. Um, to, to me, it's maybe this is because I'm in the performance review cycle at work right now and have been doing that a lot this week. But you know, being able to have those those frank conversations that say, "Hey, look, this is the current situation. Here's what you're doing well. Here's where you need to get better. Here's what I see the future of you uh, in this particular role, this program, this whatever else the case may be." And being able to have some of that. And I think also, and we, we alluded to this in the, uh, when we were talking about the McNeil and, uh, and Dexter Dennis visiting, I mean, those guys, even as potential people coming in, no different than guys in the program are having to take a look at where do the minutes come from for me? And am I going to be comfortable with the role that I think that I'm going to start out with. It doesn't mean that I'm not willing to work hard to try to expand that role or whatever else, but, but what does that look like? And then, you know, trying to figure out where, um, you know, where they are and, and, uh, and go from there. So I, it's, you know, there's no perfect answer to the situation, uh, there. I think in some cases it, it may be a result that is best for everybody, but I do think it's a difficult position that you're putting, everybody in. And I think some of the stuff with the, the COVID years and things like that have made a complex situation even more complex because not only am I trying to plan for who I knew was going to leave, I now have guys that kind of have this year in limbo and that's obviously a temporary thing at this point and, and eventually will not be a factor. But I do think that's an added wrinkle that's made it a little bit more difficult where you've got guys that can do some of this. So um, at any rate, we'll, we'll kind of see how it, how it plays out. Um, I think a lot of times everybody says these things have a way of, of working themselves out and we'll see what happens in the coming weeks for IU and, and how that all shakes out. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music and thanks to John ringer of RigsDesign.com for designing our logos and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night unless other breaking news comes about. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I like everything about that. All right, fellas. We were, we were 10 minutes over. We were close to what we were trying to do. We'll get there. Hey, you're the Someday. one who needs to get out. So. Someday. All on you. <laughs> so. All right. We're, good show, uh, fellas. We're good. Yeah. Have a good week. Appreciate it, guys. And, uh, yeah, everybody will be back if uh, any other breaking news hits like it did this week. And otherwise, we will uh, talk to everybody again on Thursday. So thanks, everybody. Have a good night, guys.